arms You're in my hands Somehow I let you slip through Just like grains of sand You gave me your whole heart I only gave you half Don't know why I guess I was looking for that greener grass Cause you want and you want the things you don't need And you need and you need the things you don't have And you have and you have the things you don't want Till you lose them, till you lose them Yeah, you want and you want the things you don't need And you need and you need the things you don't have And you have and you have the things you don't want Till you lose them, till you lose them And that's a bit of the brand new single from my guest, Victoria Banks. The song is called Want, and it's from her new CD, Uncovered. I've got a couple of tracks from that CD to play, and Victoria will share the stories behind those songs. She has had 11 CCMA nominations, and back in 2010, the Canadian Country Music Association awarded her Female Artist of the Year and Songwriter of the Year. Her songs have been recorded by over 100 artists. It's a long list, of course, but it includes Carly Pierce, Lauren Elena, Terry Clark, and Cassidy Pope. Recently, we saw her on NBC's show Songland, where she got to present her song to Florida Georgia Line. It was a big moment for her, and all of us, especially in Canada, were very proud. My pleasure now to welcome Victoria Banks. Hey, Victoria. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a long time since we've chatted on the call on the show, but I obviously follow you online and all the great stuff that's going on for you and some of the not-so-great stuff in recent months. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a rough <laughs> spring for, for everybody, but kind of particularly rough in Nashville, yeah. <laughs> a tornado and then COVID, and you were directly hit, obviously, by the tornado. Everything back to normal as much as it can be as far as that part of things? Yeah, we uh we were in we live in East Nashville and we were right on the street where the tornado came down. So, um we're very lucky that we were okay, um uh, but it was terrifying and we the, our neighbor's roof came off and came across the top of our house and basically took out all the windows, took off pieces of the roof, took off our chimneys and then went over the top and landed on both our cars and totaled our cars. So it was just this insane, you know, and, and, you know, that happened in the middle of the night in the pitch dark. And we've got two little girls, ages two and four, who were sleeping upstairs when it happened. And we were trying to get up there to them to, to get them out. So it was really terrifying. And in the process, my husband actually, my husband and I collided full on in the face in the pitch dark and I <laughs> broke his nose with my head. Oh. So we have a lot of a lot of uh, jokes about, you know, don't come up against a hard-headed Muskoka woman. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he had to actually go and have surgery after that to get his nose put back where it belonged, and it was really oh, rough. But we goodness. are so, we're so grateful that our house was fixable because about three houses down from ours is where the damage got irreparable and a lot of those houses Mm. are just going to have to be bulldozed so we're grateful and and we've been working on getting it fixed through covid which of course has been fun with two little kids you know so we've been living in the house with tarps on the (laughs) roof and having workers come and and uh you get that catch-22 moment of okay we're not supposed to be around people and there's workers coming to fix this stuff and we're not supposed to go anywhere so what do we do But uh, so there's been a, a lot of driving the kids around in the car and going, I spy with my little eyes something that is real. Right. <laughs> but thankfully, we're done with the fixes at this point, and we've uh, just finished the last thing this week. So that was a big, uh, a big milestone for us, and we're grateful to be done. 
Oh, great. And the girls have kind of recovered as far as they're not scared of storms or they're not seem to have any kind of lasting effects at all, or do they? Well, well there's, there's definitely been ongoing issues with that because they were both in their rooms when the windows blew in. And luckily, neither mm-hmm. of one of them was hurt. And I have no idea how they weren't because when I got in there to get them, it was, it was windy and rainy in their rooms. So it was terrifying for them. But we've, we've mm-hmm. been working with therapists for them and also for us just because when you go through something, there's a lot of, you know, post-traumatic stress that comes up afterwards and you don't even know you have it until it just suddenly appears. So definitely with the kids, we've, we've been working on trying to give them some tools for how to, how to cope with their fears and, mm-hmm. and their stress around things like thunderstorms or loud noises. Or, or for a few weeks after that, there were helicopters that would fly over the house and that would scare them because it sounded a lot like the tornado sounded. So just, you know, right. having to walk through all of that with them. But, uh, you know, it's all in the name of trying to give them give them tools for it. And that's something they'll be able to use, I'm sure, into adulthood when they figure out how to cope with their own emotions about things. So they've been doing they've been doing well with it. Kids are very resilient. I'm learning more about that every day. That is yeah. true. Uh and and you got through this time and I'm just so glad to hear that you're on the other side of it um as far as the house being back in shape and everything. And now we've just got to get through COVID and uh you know we can yeah. start to get back to normal. <laughs> One of the highlights over the past few months, uh not too long ago in fact, uh NBC's Songland where you were on pitching your song to Florida Georgia Line, and yours was called That's a Country Song. And Shane McAnally, a great writer and obviously, I guess, a judge or a representative on the show, said of you that you are the real deal. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) That was a pretty cool moment. That was a lot (laughs) of fun, that whole experience. You know, uh, when you get invited out there, to um, to film one of those episodes, you don't really know anything about it ahead of time. You don't know who the artist is going to be. It's very much sort of a surprise when you get there. And uh, I was I I loved that that whole experience. The the fact that I got to hang around with the other contestants, I guess you would say, the other writers on the show. Uh, not just our episode, but multiple episodes that were being filmed at the same time. So the the show that just aired recently that was the Usher episode, uh, mm-hmm. all of those writers on there were filming at the same time that we were. So we were all hanging out together in the hotel and playing songs for each other and having heart-to-heart talks about the songwriting process. And uh, it was really cool. Um, but then, you know, being being on set, having the chance to present the song and then talking afterwards, about what you could do to change the song and make it right for the artist. That's a really, really fun experience. And um, there's a lot more of that than they show. Um, Obviously, you know, they film a lot of of time that they break down into about a one-minute increment of what's going on. (laughs) It's a good, you know, half half hour or longer conversation that you have. And um, I really enjoyed that in the back and forth with, with, Shane McAnally and Esther Dean and Ryan Tedder. So it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. I guess the song can go many different directions, whether it's lyric rewrites or something about the melody or the rhythm, depending on if it's Lady Annabellum or if it's Florida Georgia Line or, you know, Tim McGraw, whoever it is, some tweaks, uh, I guess, need to be changed to fit that specific artist. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things, too, you know, after spending 23 years here in Nashville working as a staff songwriter for publishing companies where I work all day, every day writing songs for other artists, um, I've, I've learned that you cannot take it personally if you pitch a song to an artist and they don't choose that song because it's not about necessarily whether it's a good song or not. It's about whether it's the right song for them. And there are so many mm-hmm. elements to that. You know, it's, it, it, it's about what they want to say, how they would say it, whether it's melodically something that they could sing or feel comfortable singing and, you know, whether it's stylistically the direction that they want to go with the next record that they put out. So there are a lot of different elements to that. And and with most of the songs that I've had recorded, if, if it wasn't a song that I wrote specifically with the artist for their project, if it was a, what we call an outside pitch, a song that we wrote and then pitched to an artist that was unrelated to the writing of the song, um, usually the song gets recorded by an artist only if it's a song that they relate to in some personal way. It'll be something that is meaningful to them, something that they feel like is their, telling their life story somehow. Or, you know, with, with what my very first hit that I ever had, Saints and Angels, recorded by Sarah Evans on her Born to Fly mm-hmm. record, uh, she recorded that song. I remember her telling me after that that she heard the first line of the song and the and the line is we're only human baby we walk on broken ground and she said my husband and i used to always say that to each other we're only human we're only human and as soon as i heard that in the first line of the song i just knew that this song was for me and so it was just you wow. know, one of those things it has to be something that they relate to on a really deep level and mm-hmm. uh so it's a lot it's about a lot more than just writing a great song Still, and I'm not afraid. Cause 
Is there any particular cut? I'm sure there are several that fall in this category, Victoria, but any that um, when you heard the final version of the song that was put on the album or released as a single that just blew you away, you knew the song you'd written, obviously you knew it was a great song, but something in the production or their vocal just took it to another level. Um, I have to say, you know, the, the single that I have out now that's my first single from the Uncovered record, Want, that song was recorded by the Hunter brothers and Mm -hmm. I was really excited when I heard they were going to record that because the song has so many harmony parts on it and the harmony parts are really integral to the sound of the song They're They just, it wouldn't be the same without them, but I talked to different people. I was thinking, I don't know who could capture this in the right way that would feature those harmonies the way they need to be featured. And then, of course, the Hunter Brothers. I mean, (laughs) a whole band of siblings that all sing and beautifully sing. And when they cut that song, they invited me to come into the studio and hear it. And I just remember being transported by it when I heard it because they had all these amazing harmonies and they had added even more things in there that made it even cooler. So um, that was that was a big one yeah. for me. Just hearing production wise what what they did with the song was extremely cool. Do you have any songs in your catalog currently, Victoria? And you've had over 100 cuts, some amazing songs, uh, so much success. But do you have a song that, uh, or, or an artist that is like a dream pitch that, you know, you're hoping one day, and you may even have songs that you think fit them now, but one artist mm-hmm. you would love to have a song recorded by? Oh, gosh. You know, there are a bunch of them, but I would have to say being, you know, a... a a female country fan that Martina McBride is a huge one for me. And I've spent a lot of years just trying to get a song (laughs) on one of her records and it has just never happened for me, but I just, I love her. And um, that would be, that would be a really big one for me just because, you know, when you have an artist with that kind of powerful vocal ability, it's almost Mm -hmm. like as a songwriter, you're trying on different instruments it's like a different instrument each voice right Right. so you can write these melodies that are insane and almost inhumanly (laughs) rangy and she can nail them so uh yeah i would love to have something recorded by her someday and i probably have enough songs in my catalog that are insanely difficult to sing (laughs) (laughs) maybe there's something in there that will find its way to her one day but uh yeah yeah 
That is awesome. And the thing with songs is they can stay in the catalog for years and uh, just finally get to that artist, to the right artist that cho- chooses it. It might not be two weeks after, which does happen, but I'm sure you have some sitting there a while that it, they just take time to get to the person. Well, yeah. So a great example of that is the song that I had on Carly Pierce's record that came out in February. Um, I wrote that song with Emily Shackleton and Sarah Hayes here in Nashville eight years ago. And it, uh, since then, we've all moved on to different publishing companies. So when you go to a new publishing company, you leave behind all your old songs and they just stay with your old company and sit on their shelf. <laughs> And, you know, and you might, you know, they might never see the light of day. But that particular song just, it sat there for a long time. uh, But through just a personal connection of Emily Shackleton, she sent the song to Carly. And Carly fell in love with it. And she said, oh, this is my story. You know, there again, she related to it. This is my story. And um, so she recorded it and released it eight years later. And the song still held up and stood the test of time, which was pretty cool because you can also have the, the issue when a song gets that old that the the demo of the song, the recording of the song right. can start sounding dated, right? Because you're using different, yeah. sonically things change over a, a, a decade, <laughs> things start to sound different. So, But somehow that one stood the test of time and, and finally found a home. And that was a really, really cool experience to finally see that happen. A great song of hers called Dashboard Jesus. That's right, Dashboard Jesus, yep. Great title. Thank you. <laughs> that was my title, actually. That was one of the ones that I carried around. That's, uh, I, I have a, a, a hook book, I like to call it. So it's a collection of titles, and I just walk around with my antenna tuned all the time, trying to write down everything that sounds like a song, phrases that people say in the coffee right. shop that I overhear, or things that I see yeah. on a movie, or, or some things I read in a book, and I don't remember where I saw that, but I remember writing that down thinking that would be a great song. And I took it in to the co-writing session that day and, and it just seemed like a natural flow to write a song from that phrase. <laughs> yeah, it's a great phrase. And that's a great tip for writers out there who, who might not be doing that, but have a hook book because you'll lose the idea if, you know, two days later, the next day, unless you write it down. But like you say, it could be just, it is just that conversational or that title you hear that might be all you have that day but then you come back to it and that's when you start writing the song yeah exactly and you don't always know what the song is going to be when you have the title idea you might just hear a phrase that catches your ear because it sounds cool or interesting but you don't know what you're going to make of it yet and um by by collecting those thoughts and, and carrying them around with me it makes it easier for me when i am co-writing because as a as a professional writer, every day of the week, I'm going into a songwriting session with different people and writing a song, at least one song a day, sometimes two, and occasionally three. So when you're having to come up with with songs at that pace, the only way that Mm -hmm. you can maintain that is to have somewhere to start. And so you'll start the session usually, unless somebody's got a piece of something that they're inspired by that they're working on, you usually start the session by saying, oh, here's some titles I have, here's some titles you have, what are we going to work on? And Mm -hmm. um, so that, that makes that process easier. But quite often you don't know what a song what a title could be until something in your life makes that title mean something to you. So um, 
the Sarah Evans song Saints and Angels that I wrote was is a good example of that. I carried that title Saints and Angels around for quite a while, I think over a year before I wrote the song. And then I, I just thought, well, it's a cool phrase, but I don't know what, what it means. And then mm-hmm. um, I, I was falling in love at the time, and I sat down to write a song, looked at that title, and all of a sudden it meant something to me, and I knew what I wanted to say, and it just kind of popped out, and I wrote it in about an hour. So uh, it just has to be the right, the right time for the, for the idea. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Let's turn to the CD, which is out now, called Uncovered. Uh, these are some of your most requested songs. Other people have recorded them. Before we talk about the first single, can, I know people can get the album on Spotify. Can they order physical copies? Yes, I finally got my physical CDs. COVID <laughs> slowed everything down, including CD manufacturing, but I finally got them um, today actually so uh, people can order them through my website if you visit victoriabanks.net and you could just click on my my first blog entry and that'll have a that has a link in it to order so um yeah then get a physical copy for for those of you who still have cds which i'm one of those people (laughs) i love the physical cd and i love looking at it and seeing who the songwriters are and and that kind of thing so yeah Exactly. Yeah, it's a tactile experience and, and seeing the writers and if the lyrics, if, if they happen to come with CDs in some cases. Um, let's uh, talk about the first single, which is called Want. As we've talked about, the Hunter Brothers recorded this um, on their most recent album. And uh, tell me maybe about uh, the idea behind the song, Victoria, and a bit about the writing process. Yeah, so Want was, like many ideas, it came to me when I was driving. I don't know why, but I get a lot of ideas when I'm driving, and I think maybe it's just my brain is occupied doing things, and it lets my subconscious speak a little more clearly. So uh, I I just started having this chant going around and around in my head, and it was kind of this monotone chant of, you want, you want the things you don't need, you need, you need the things you don't have, I don't know what it is, but I just kept going doing that over and over again, and then I've finally said it enough times that it kind of turned in a circle and it went you know you want the things you don't need you need you need the things you don't have you have you have the things you don't want till you lose them and uh so i was doing this chant and i i pulled over and sang it into my phone and then i was writing a few days later uh scheduled to write with emily shackleton and joe ginsburg and Joe is a track builder, producer, and Emily is one of my favorite co-writers, very melodic piano player, and I'm more of a guitar-playing songwriter, so we work together really well. And I brought them that idea, and I said, I don't know if this is anything at all. It's just this weird chant. I don't know if it's a verse or a chorus or what. And I <laughs> sang it to them, and they both just about jumped out of their chairs and said, yes, we have to write that. That's a chorus. That's the chorus. Let's do that. And um, that's one of the things I love about co-writing is that people will just help take you to a place you wouldn't necessarily go yourself, you know, and you get that Mm -hmm. objective feedback on things. So um, we we wrote the song really quickly and Joe built a great track for it. And Emily sang the lead vocal on the demo and I sang the backgrounds. And I remember I stuck around for like three hours after Emily left and just kept recording backgrounds and backgrounds and backgrounds (laughs) for all the harmonies. It's like all Victoria's. (laughs) And then Emily's lead vocal. And uh, yeah, it turned into a song that I'm really proud of. And it was really fun building the track myself, building my own version of it in my home studio with my my little computer and all my instruments and doing it myself 
Pretty amazing. Had you produced any of your own stuff before to this level? Had you done demos? No, you know, I kind of just jumped in the deep end. Um, I've I've always produced my records, you know, in the sense of going into the studio and directing the musicians about what to do. Mm-hmm. So I have a very, I have a, an image in my mind of how a song should sound as I'm writing it. I'm hearing the whole band and I'm kind of picturing it already that way. So mm-hmm. when I've always done that in the studio with musicians, I've never actually done it myself so there was a huge learning curve to this process because now we have this incredible technology at the the touch of your fingertips on your little home computer I use a program (laughs) called Logic which is part of Mac and um, you can program all of your sounds that you need and so I when I went out and did a tour a few years back across America I had a 30 city tour and I spent a lot of time in hotel rooms and I thought I'm going to take a logic rig with me and I'm going to learn how to record things on it and build tracks on it and that was how I spent all my time when I wasn't on stage I was in the hotel room learning how to program um, and then I put it to use and I figured I'm going to just give this a shot and try recording my own record, building my own record. And I, it's one of those things, you, you know, you have a voice in your head that says, you have no business doing this. You don't know what you're doing. But right. then there's another voice in my head that always says, dare to suck. Give it a try. What's the worst <laughs> that, could, that could happen? So, so I did it. And then I was like, I remember I built a couple of songs and I played them for my husband. And I was like, you know what? I think this actually might be something. I mean, this might be okay. And he was like, are you kidding? Yeah, this is great. <laughs> you need to release this. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to overcome all my perfectionist tendencies of, you know, normally I would be spending months and months going back and fixing every tiny thing that drove me crazy. But I was like, you know what? I could just be have paralysis by analysis for months on this. I'm just going to get it to where I feel comfortable enough and I'm going to put it out to the world and, and that's what I did, and, and I'm proud of it. I think I think it's uh, you know it's an accomplishment for me to feel like I was able to do something like that uh, that I basically taught myself how to do, and it just goes to show that you can do whatever you put your mind to if you just put the work in. And this is Victoria Banks with her brand new single "Want" on In the Country. Cause you want and you want the things you don't need And you need and you need the things you don't have And you have and you have the things you don't want Till you lose them, till you lose them Yeah, you want and you want the things you don't need And you need and you need the things you don't have And you have and you have the things you don't want Till you lose them, till you lose them Turns me inside out Since you've been gone Nothing shines as bright as a diamond you can't put on your touch and I crave your kiss and it kills me but I know that's just the way it is cause you want and you want the things you don't need and you need and you need the things you don't have and you have and you have the things you don't want
single from my guest, Victoria Banks. It's called Want, and it's on her album, Uncovered. The album is out now, and not only did Victoria write all the songs, but she produced, arranged, and engineered it, and she played all the instruments, except the fiddle. She brought in Larry Franklin to handle those duties. One of the songs on this album was a big hit for Johnny Reed, called Dance With Me. And Victoria and Johnny wrote it together. So let's talk about that song now and get the story behind the writing of Dance With Me. Yeah, that was a that was a really cool experience. That was the really the one and only time that I wrote with Johnny. And it was at my I remember at my house in Nashville and he came over and it was also with Tia Sillers, who's a, a favorite co writer of mine, and, and Tia and Johnny had worked together prior to that so they both sort of arrived in and Johnny already had the idea for dance with me brewing in his mind and had this and he's he's a really terrific songwriter and he has a very very strong understanding of what he wants to say as an artist and what he needs on, on his records as an artist, what he's missing, you know, what's that one song you're missing that you need and um, mm-hmm. I think he had mostly completed the rest of the record and he was looking for this one song that would that would be you know the the love song on the record dance with me don't say a word just dance with me let the world outside disappear because baby what we've got here is all And then he went on to record it, and boy, oh boy, did it ever take off. And it was very cool to see that happening. <laughs> and and I, I really loved I That was around the time that my artist career was kicking off in Canada. And I've always sort of thought of myself as a songwriter. I never really pictured myself as, an, as a performer, as a singer, as an artist. Um, so that whole aspect of my career sort of came basically from somebody offering me the opportunity and me not saying no. <laughs> you know, it was just like, <laughs> okay, sure, I'll give it a shot. So I was going out on these tours across Canada and opening shows for people like Reba McIntyre and Winona Judd and Lone Star and Randy Travis. And I would have a 20 or 30 minute set of just me and my guitar in front of eight or 10,000 people in a packed arena and mm-hmm. they weren't there to see me, you know, they were there to see the headliner. Right. So, so the opening act <laughs> set is a really interesting experience because you know, you have the opportunity to win over the crowd, 
but you have a very mm-hmm. short time to do it in. And especially, you don't have a band. You're just there with your guitar. So it's, it, it's a delicate balance to figure out how to do that. And one of the things that I just loved about the process of doing those shows was, you know, I would, I would tell the stories behind the songs. I would do it the same way that I do at the Bluebird Cafe. And I would feel like, you know, the audience was connecting with me and they were listening. And then when I got to the third or fourth song in, I'd do a little medley of the songs that I had written for other people. Ah. And in that medley, I would put Saints and Angels and When It Ain't Raining, which was a hit for One More Girl. And, uh, you know, um, then I would put Dance With Me in there. And right. The way that just the look on people's faces, because it was really yeah. cool, you know, being a songwriter, you're just the small print under somebody else's name. They don't know that you wrote that song. And, and mm. uh, that was just a really cool moment when I would feel the audience kind of collectively gasp. <laughs> and thanks to Johnny <laughs> Reed for making that a hit. It was just cool to be able to be a part of that. It's so cool. And then to, in that kind of moment, the medley, as you said, I mean, the fact that they know you wrote Dance With Me is one thing, but then Saints and Angels, and then the One More Girl song. So when they start to see, hear four or five, they recognize, and they're all from you. That's pretty impressive, you know, to have that many songs. Yeah, it was fun. And it was it was at a time when I had, I think I had like five top five hits in Canada in one year, and all on different artists. So I was, they were all in the medley and I had like, I'm going to make you love me for Doc Walker and, um, you know, come on over for Jessica Simpson. And so I had yep. all this stuff going on and, um, yeah, so that was pretty cool to put them all in there and sort of go from one to, to the next, to the next really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah's recorded a few of yours now. She has. She's been great over the years about recording my songs. She's recorded four, I, I think, over the years. Um, and and the funny thing is, I mean, I met her briefly after she released Saints and Angels. It was one of those, you know, hop on the bus at a concert backstage and say hello moments. But <laughs> that was the only time that I had talked to her at all. And um, I was kind of a I wrote Saints and Angels by myself and I was a very shy songwriter back then I didn't know how to communicate my thoughts to somebody else in a collaborative session so I wrote alone for the first six or seven years of my career and so finally I came around to starting to co-write and by then it was years and years later after that so I had sort of missed the chance to write with Sarah Evans by then but finally <laughs> that chance came back around just a couple of years ago and I got to go down to her house in Alabama and hang out with her for a few days and write some songs with her and just had a really beautiful experience writing with her um we wrote a song for her previous record, not the one that's out now, but the one previously that it's called letting you go. And it's a song that's uh, inspired by her experience, letting go basically of her oldest son, who's going off to college. And Hmm. um, it was, it was just a cool full circle moment in so many ways, because when when she recorded Saints and Angels for, and she recorded and released her Born to Fly record, that boy was a baby and she was going out uh. on the bus with him and she had just gone through a divorce. She was a single mom and she said it was, it was the two of us against the world. It was just the two of us on the bus and we'd go out and do, you know, the Born to Fly tour 
And we talked about that because at the time that we finally got to write, I had a little baby about that age. And we talked about the full circle-ness of, you know, she's letting this boy go and I have this little baby. And we wrote this song and it was so emotional just thinking about, you know, the cycles of time. And it was really Mm -hmm. cool for me to be able to sit in that room with her and actually have the chance to thank her in person. And I just, you know, looked her in the eye and I said, Sarah, you have no idea what that did for my career when you recorded that song. And I owe basically my whole career to the fact that you recorded that song. That was my very first cut. It was the first time people took me seriously as a songwriter when they saw that a songwriter could solo write a song that was a hit like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and thank you. And she just, I mean, she started crying and I started crying. And, oh. <laughs> so it was, it was cool. It was really cool. Oh, what a great moment to have beyond the songwriting that that human connection and the history too is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's true. It, it's funny when you're writing the songs a lot of the time you don't get a chance to have that connection with the artist and the song is kind of pitched by other people and it finds its way to them and but uh, right. but I I really love the the co-writing process and I do a lot of collaborating now with artists writing with them for their projects and and that's a fun experience, just getting to put yourself in their shoes and figure out what they want to say, what they need to say, and how to express it in their words and in their voice. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like acting, but you're doing it in a song. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And that's got to be a great experience yeah. to be there on sort of on the ground floor of their career uh, to guide them. You're, you're helping them along, which is an important part. And then they could be the next big thing, which, of course, you never know when you're writing with somebody uh, where their career will go. Yeah, it's true. And there are so many artists that I've worked with. I mean, over a over 20-year career, there are so many that I've worked with, um, some of whom have made it to the, you know, the radio waves and some <laughs> of them who haven't. I have the, these collections of songs that I've written that have just never seen the light of day just because who the, the artist I wrote them with didn't, didn't break. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Something went wrong or whatever. And um, so that's actually why I've, I've started this, this thing on my, my website and my socials. I have this um, subscription thing that I offer to my fans and it's called Kofi. And it's basically you can, in return for me sharing, you know, these songs that you've never heard before, just buy me a coffee. Right. So it's like a $3 coffee. It's kind of like a tip. <laughs> and uh, and it's because <laughs> then I get to share some of these songs. You know, I'm not releasing them, so they're not out on Spotify right. or something. They're not in a place everyone can hear them. But people who subscribe and want to hear the stories behind the scenes or hear these unreleased songs can can hear those songs through this subscription and and it's kind of fun because um i'll share not only the songs that might be unreleased but i'll share the voice memo of me coming up with the idea for the song and then i'll share the the work tape of me playing it on guitar in the writing room the day that it was written and then i'll play the demo of what the song sounded like and then if it was a cut i'll play the 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 cut and and the single or whatever Mm -hmm. it turned into so um it's it's fun. People can trace the whole process by listening to all of those phases of it. So that particular website is called Kofi.com. It's K-O-F-I.com and then it's slash Victoria Banks and that'll take you to my Kofi page. And, and yeah, so there's all of these 
posts on there of different songs and stories and things that all get unlocked with a with a coffee tip. <laughs> Just different ways. Of, I love it. You know, you have to think of different ways of monetizing your music these days. Now that CDs aren't a yeah. thing anymore, and and songwriters really don't get paid at all from streaming. So unfortunately, it's a wonderful way of consuming music, and it's the way most people do. But songwriters are not to find other ways of making an income, and, and I thought, yeah, that's kind of a cool way of doing it. You got to get creative. Well, I love that whole process to be able to uh, process of monetizing it, but also what's underneath it to see the from the voice note to the demo and then the final product. It's fascinating for me and, and for many to, to see that just the whole from the seed to the final product. Yeah, I, I love being able to share that. And whenever I have the uh, my favorite thing is the the initial coming up with the song because they're just awkward and uncomfortable sounding like so many of them, so many of them are are like me waking up at three o'clock in the morning and going into the bathroom where I won't wake my husband up and croaking the song idea into my phone and I'll actually share these recordings with people and it's funny but you can hear where the song comes from based on those few lines that I sing into the right. phone at, in the middle of the night yeah that that is amazing. You never know when the song is going to show up, whether it's a drive or three in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Victoria, t- taking us back in time to the whole beginning of your songwriting uh, there in Muskoka. And what was it in the very first place that drove you, that gave you that desire to write songs? Oh, wow. That's a great question. <laughs> well, so, you know, growing up in Muskoka, I, I I grew up in outside Port Carling in Muskoka and fairly secluded and isolated most of the year, uh, at least back then. It, there were not any neighbors around. And I think, you know, I, I just had to be creative in life from the beginning, finding things to do, you know, entertaining <laughs> myself. And, and my mom and dad did a really good job of making things magical for us. So there were a lot of magical stories around things. Like, uh, for example, fireflies weren't fireflies. They were fairies. And we totally believed that they were fairies. And <laughs> the, the, the moon that comes up in October that's kind of orange is a special moon called the howling moon. And if you listen to it closely, you can hear it howling. And I don't know how my dad did that, but somehow he did that. I think maybe there was like a tape recorder down in the boathouse echoing off the lake. I don't know what it was, but it was definitely a howling moon. So it was, you know, there was a lot of creativity from the start and there was a ton of music from the start where we were, I was, I was raised on mostly classical music, classical voice lessons and piano lessons. And my, my family, was all classical musicians um but as i when i went off to school i started discovering sort of contemporary music and falling in love with that and i started playing in bands when i was in high school and mm-hmm. my first experience in like a serious rock band was playing in a band called the bad moons in bracebridge and derek rattan was the lead singer of the band um <laughs> amazing so we were in yeah we were in this band together and playing all this you know credence clearwater revival and john mellencamp and rolling stones and stuff like that and of course derek had a huge hunger for songwriting too he's got a similar story to mine so uh i think it was just just that sparked my curiosity about songwriting and I always thought of myself as an interpreter of music because of my classical training. I thought, oh, if somebody puts something in front of me on a page, I can play it. But I couldn't make something up. There's no way I could do that. 
But strangely enough, as I started to experiment with that, I started to figure out that I was capable of making it up. And I think everybody is, really. It's just that we forget that we're creative because we're all creative when we're in kindergarten and somebody hands us a pack of crayons. So we all have that in <laughs> us. True. But, um, yep. You know, it, it's just a it's just a question of exploring the process of it and how to make it make it happen, and and daring to suck enough to do it enough times that it goes from really being terrible to being half decent. <laughs> so, you know, um, <laughs> that was kind of that was kind of my 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 process, and I started being a bit of a song nerd and looking at who the songwriters were behind all the songs that I was loving listening to, and I kept a little binder of the names of the songwriters behind my favorite oh, songs. Wow. And yeah. every time I found a song that I loved, I would add it to the binder. And I started to notice that there were certain names in the binder that had more and more and more songs under them. And there were names like Matresa Berg and Tony Arata and Gary Burr, uh, who, it, you know, it turns out are the, you know, legendary songwriters here in Nashville of that era. And so as I discovered more about it, I knew that Nashville was the place that I needed to be. And when I moved here, I started going to the Bluebird Cafe and listening to those songwriters singing their songs and hearing the stories behind them. And I spent a lot of time just analyzing what, what, what are they doing to feel this way? How are they manipulating my feelings with their words and their the song right. structures, what is it that they're doing? And as I started to listen to that, I started to figure out how the craft works and learn about the craft. And of course I was writing every day too, by the time I was here. So um, yeah, I, I really kind of just learned by, by my own curiosity. I didn't have, you know, a, there's degrees you can get in songwriting now and stuff like that. I didn't have <laughs> right. that. It was just, I listened to the radio and I read books and I, and I just was a nerd about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, and the dedication and the work, as you said, writing every day—it's uh, a nonstop process. Have you uh, had a chance to write with any of those people of the names that you put in that binder back then, Victoria? Yes, and that is the coolest thing. Like, so Gary Burr is one of them, um, mm -hmm. and I—I I took the binder with me, and I showed him his name. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> he got a big kick out of that, and and when I play, I play shows a lot at the Bluebird Cafe that are that are private shows where they will um, close the cafe down and have corporate events, and so the Bluebird will call me to play, and they always call me and Tony Arata to play together, right. and so I get to sit on stage next to this guy who was in my binder, and you know he plays the dance that he wrote for Garth Brooks, yep. and handful of dust that he wrote for Patty Loveless and these incredible songs and I'm just, you know, sitting there gobsmacked every time. It's the <laughs> coolest thing to be sitting next to him and then, you know, he'll he autographed one of his CDs for me and and he said, you know, to Victoria from a fan. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, that's the coolest thing. <laughs> There's so many full circle moments in life, you know, and that yeah. was one of the most beautiful ones was just seeing that. And, and you know, as time goes on and you're, you're working in this realm with all of these people, it's really mm -hmm. easy to sort of get jaded by it because everything just feels normal as it happens to you right you know like there's moments of excitement For but sure. it's just on to the next normal step and that's the way it is probably with most 
you know, accomplishments or working your way down a path. But it's really important, I think, with anything, and especially in music when you hear no so many times a day, uh, it's really important to celebrate those successes whenever you have those moments and realize how beautiful they are and think about that you that was, you know, 10, 20 years ago uh, that would have just been completely blown away by the fact that you were doing what you're doing right now. So I try to remember that all the time and and stay in that, (laughs) in that zone. (laughs) Totally. It's a good zone to be in to just, yeah, take a moment and realize this has happened and just how amazing it is. And, and, how you would have reacted back at that age if you know if you could see this moment happening i think it's so cool you know writing in a binder and then years later that has come true you're writing with those people and i'm also thinking victoria that there are writers out there now and artists that have your name in a binder or written somewhere or are thinking one day i'd like to write with victoria that's a crazy thought <laughs> That's a good thought for me. You know, because I think we, most creative people go through life with this sort of imposter syndrome where you feel like, I don't really deserve to be here. Right. <laughs> and, you know, exactly. And especially as a, as a songwriter, you don't really under, you don't fully understand how you're writing songs. You don't know where they're coming from. You're just kind of trusting that they come and you know the steps to go through to, to facilitate that. So, but the whole process is based on this mystical, magical creativity, you know, something appearing Mm. to you out of nowhere. And um, so it's, it's really easy to be freaked out about that because you don't really have control over it. And, uh, so I think m- most of us songwriters are like, you know, even the people who are at the top of their game are probably walking around with, with a sense of imposter syndrome and, and thinking that somebody else was looking up to them that way would freak them out too. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny and so true. I think it's just, yeah, the way we think, right? We never think we're, we're good enough or uh, maybe we deserve what we have in a lot of cases. Yeah, it's true. And I, I've had to do a lot of work on how to – talk to myself when I'm trying to write um, because, you know, your, your self-worth is so tied up in what you create. Um, mm-hmm. I think as, as for anyone creative, it's the case. And, and so we tend to really be hard on ourselves. The, we, the way we talk to ourselves is brutal sometimes inside. <laughs> And yeah, I, sure. I realized that about myself, and I was like, thinking, you know, if 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 you looked at yourself, if you looked at that creator in you as a little child, kind of is a little child, you know, if you looked mm-hmm. at that little child as as you know a child, and then you thought, well, how am I talking to this child? If if you had a child who was frustrated because they couldn't you know, color in the lines or draw what they wanted to draw, would you say to them, you suck, you know, you're terrible, <laughs> you're, you're awful at, what, at that, you should quit, you'll never do that, you know. But that's the way that we talk to ourselves. And so yep, I've had true. to become really aware of that, that sort of internal dialogue. And I try really hard to intervene in that and change it and think, how would you speak to that child? You know, well, I'd probably mm-hmm. say, what do you need? What do you need today to feel better? Do you need to go for a walk? Do you need to listen to some music? You know, to to be more gentle and more constructive with the way that you talk to yourself is incredibly important when you're dealing with anything creative. And, um, and, and that's been a huge lesson for me. And that and the fact that I, 
I really believe that when you're creating something, you are not responsible for to, for being the source of what you're creating. I think you're really just responsible for being the conduit. And there's a source somewhere that's coming through you. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, that's just, that's my belief. And I've had so many experiences in my songwriting life that have reinforced that for me. And I think that when you truly recognize that, then it takes so much pressure off because you don't feel like you have, you don't have to be the source of it. All you have to do is be the faucet and be the best faucet you can be and allow the water to come through and create the environment that allows that to happen. Listen for it, open up to it and it'll be there and trust it. So, and it always does come when, when you trust it. I love that philosophy and that outlook on it. And it must, uh, because it's that sort of coming from another source and you don't always know what's going to show up, although, as you said, you trust and it will show up. But, but that must feel great in the moment when you're on to something and you went into the room and maybe you didn't have the full idea. or You might have had the start of the idea, but now the song is flowing and you're like, this is going great. I'm, I'm sure it feels great every time because it uh, almost is surprising maybe. It is, and it's like it's the craziest kind of high. Like we actually talk about it as like a, a songwriter's <laughs> high when you're writing something or when you've just written something that you're really proud of. It gives you this feeling of invincibility and everything is right with the world, and it lasts for a good week, which is good because there's a lot of negativity <laughs> to what we're doing too. When people are always saying, "No, I don't want that," no, you know, right. but it, it's that it's a beautiful feeling, and especially when you experience that with other people that you're collaborating with. It's a, a really incredible thing. And one of the coolest things that I love about the co-writing process is that, that really reinforces the source being elsewhere to me is how many times I walk into a writing room with an idea that is the same as somebody else that's walking in. You know, it's like we're both on the same wavelength. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy how many times that happens. And, and specifically – there's one song that that happened with um, that was on my Indigo record, my previous record. It was a song called Angelina. And I got the idea for that song when I saw a picture of a missing girl on a poster. And I couldn't stop thinking about this girl. And it just I just obsessed and obsessed over the situation. I didn't know the person. I just saw it in passing. But I was just, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I thought, oh, I, I guess I need to write that. I, to get it out of my system, I have to write a song about it. And I was always scheduled every day to write with different people. And that felt like a very personal idea to write. So I decided to get up early one morning and and work on it myself. And I got up really early. I started working on it. I came up with this piano melody and a verse and, um, and I got to the chorus and kind of didn't get any further. And I ran out of time and I had to go write that day with Emily Shackleton and Phil Barton, Mm -hmm. two of my favorite co-writers And I remember I got to the office to write with them and I was a little bit late because I'd been pushing it right to the last minute. And the two of them were already there and Emily had her piano and Phil had his guitar and mine, I was reaching to get mine out of the case. And the two of them were sort of jamming together, trying to play and see if anything came through to figure out what they could, what we could write that day melodically. And the two of them started together playing the same progression as the song that I'd been writing in the same key that I'd been writing it in. And then Emily started playing the same piano melody that I'd been writing that morning. 
No and it way. stood the hair up on the back of my neck. It was the craziest thing. And I just, wow. I turned to them and I was like, I was like, oh my God, I think I'm supposed to share this with you, what I was just working on. And I did. And I was so blown away by what it turned into. It was my favorite song on, on that record. But it, the, it felt like I had walked into the room wearing this song and they just kind of picked it off me and said, what's this? You know, uh, so sometimes it just feels like it's it's otherworldly and it's something that you're tapping into that other people can tap into, too. And I've I've seen that kind of thing happen enough times that I'm a real believer in that at this point. Yeah, incredible story. And it just goes to show, you know, we have where that music is coming from, the conduit, how we're kind of connected I'm trying to think of the right word, you know, through our minds or just our thoughts. And I think it's so incredible. And music really brings that out, especially the songwriting part of it, where the creating is happening. Yes, absolutely. It, it, yeah, it's a, it's a magical thing to be a part of. I love doing it every day. Wow. We're going to play another song from Uncovered, and this one's called Sister. This is beautiful. I love it. It's got a different kind of feel to it. Mickey Guyton recorded it, and who is a wonderful artist, and I know that you work with her a lot. Uh, tell me about the song and, and the connection to Mickey as well. So Mickey uh, has been in Nashville for a long time. She's had a record deal on Capitol Records for eight years, and I've been working with her since the very beginning of her record deal. And she's one of those people that she's incredibly talented. She's an amazing singer. Um, and she sort of got caught in the cogs of the wheel in Nashville in an era when people at the record labels didn't really know what to do with her to get her to break through on radio. Uh, it's been a really difficult thing for women to break through on mm -hmm. radio over the past decade, really, really since, I mean, it's been since 2002 that uh, male artists have been played significantly more on country radio than female artists and purposefully so because radio programmers feel that their audiences don't want to hear women on the radio. So uh, that knocked down the number of women that broke through to very few and the ones that did break through most of them already had some kind of previous exposure as a reality show winner like Carrie Underwood on American Idol or Miranda Lambert mm -hmm. on Nashville Star. So um, yep. Mickey was just one of those people. She didn't have that pre-existing audience and they didn't know what to do with her. So we'd been writing for years and years and written all these great songs, but we just couldn't, couldn't break through. And she had spent a lot of time trying to do what the label wanted her to do. She was trying to follow the rules and do what she thought people wanted to hear. And it got to the point after, you know, seven years in that she <laughs> had pretty much had it with that. And she realized that wasn't going to work. And she realized that um, the only way that she was going to get anywhere would be to start telling the truth and expressing how she felt. So that started with the song Sister, because we wanted to, that day that we wrote Sister, we wanted to celebrate female relationships. We wanted to celebrate girlfriends and women supporting other women. And that's something that um, we didn't feel was represented on country radio. And we wanted to, we talked a lot that day about how women are often pitted against each other in a competition, you know, for, for the few spots that exist and right. th how important it is for us to support each other and how that's the only way that anything's going to change is if we support each other. So we, we wrote this song, from that and um, 
so this was the first song that she recorded out of a series of songs that she's recorded now that we've written together, which got more and more and more sort of hardcore truth telling and um, have uh, we've really gone down a path now where it's saying some pretty powerful stuff. And I love having the chance to do that with her and she's brave enough to do it. And um, so she has recently released another song that we wrote together called, what are you going to tell her? Mm-hmm. Which is a song about um, basically about, you know, the, the inequalities in life, not just about being a woman, but about, you know, being black, being gay, uh, you know, any of these things that make you a minority and the inequality of that. And how are you going to tell your child who grows up with this innocent perception that everyone is equal? How are you going to tell them that when, when they find out that, that we're not? And um, it, it's a pretty hardcore song. And, and then she followed that one up with a song called Black Like Me. She's, she's a black woman and one of the only ones in country music. And so she, now she is really singing about and drawing attention to the things that she was dancing around or ignoring before. And I think that's a beautiful thing to see. So, um, yeah, Sister was the first, the first step in that. That is amazing, and uh, the song, What Are You Going to Tell Her? Uh, people should go and listen to that song. Mickey Guyton uh, uh, record, recorded it, of course. Um, and who are the, I know you're a writer on it, Victoria. Who are the other writers on it? So there are three Canadian women songwriters on that song with Mickey. So uh, there's um, myself, Karen Kozowski, who's an incredible mm-hmm. producer, also produced the track, and uh, Emma Lee. Um, so this, right. it was it was four women in a room. It was the first time all four of us had gotten together, and we figured it's either going to be terrible or it'll be amazing. But it turned out to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, one of those great songs. I know you got a lot of attention for it. I think she got a standing ovation when she performed it. And one of those we want to hear on radio, and it's so deep and meaningful that sometimes those songs don't get there always. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just such an important song to listen to. Yeah, it was great to be a, a part of that and to just not have to sugarcoat and just tell the truth. Mm-hmm. That was pretty therapeutic yeah. for, for all of us to be able to do that. Such a great song. Let's turn to Sister now. This is awesome, and I love your version of it from your album, Uncovered. This is Victoria Banks on In the Country. strong and not getting lost in a man's world it's gonna try to break you down but you gotta not give a damn girl and it makes you jaded and it makes you tough when it knocks us down we gotta pick each other up sister i got your back on the Each other out. It don't matter cause we know 
And that is my guest, Muskoka's own Victoria Banks, calling Nashville home now and having a hugely successful career there as an artist and as a songwriter. That song is called Sister, and you can hear Mickey Guyton's version as well. Uh, and you can hear a lot of different songs that Victoria's written. The artists who have recorded them, when you go to her uh, website, victoriabanks.net, there's a page there. I love the page, the way the pictures of the artists are, almost like a CD cover. You click on it, and then you have the link to that song. And there's a ton on there, and so many recognizable names yeah it's kind of cool when you know when you look at the whole thing together i'm like wow there have been a lot of people and then one day i counted it up and i thought oh my gosh there's more than a (laughs) hundred but you know you're just amazing to the grindstone every day so you don't really think about that along the way you're just on the next song and and moving forward yeah there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done exactly (laughs) (laughs) That just came to mind, because you're right, you add it up afterwards, you don't as you're in the midst of it, but it's great to look back and add up and reach past 100, and just the amount of songs and the quality of them is wonderful. Victoria, I want to thank you so much, it's been such a great chat, the time was so pleasurable, and it went by very quickly, Uh, great to share a couple of songs, I'll encourage everybody to get this album, either the physical copy through you at victoriabanks.net, or stream it. Uh, or other ways of finding it, and and follow you on social media, because they're going to follow a great artist and great songwriter. Thank you, Dave. It's great talking to you, and you always have such insightful questions. I really appreciate that. So I enjoy listening to your your show just as much as I enjoy being on it. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Victoria. That means a lot been a big fan of yours for a long time so really enjoyed this chat once again my guest has been victoria banks i'm dave woods and that'll wrap up this edition of in the country